Welcome to Tinto Talks, the hub of all things perinatal. My name's Octavia and I will be talking about all things pregnancy related and beyond. We'll be covering specialist topics from experts in the field and collect a spectrum of real life stories from parents who've been there and done that. Our aim is to offer unbiased, evidence-based information, but also shed light on the joys and challenges of parenthood to support each unique journey. There really is something here for everyone. Finally, if there's a topic that you want us to cover, let us know. But in the meantime, sit back, relax, and prepare to feel supported, inspired, and informed. Welcome to part two of Karen's story. We catch up with Karen five weeks postpartum live on Tinto app on Instagram and hear how her birth went. Though she achieved a home birth as desired, it was not without its drama. Still, Karen describes having had a wonderful birth and is pleased with how it all went. Enjoy. Hello. Hi. How you doing? Good, thank you. We're live, we're live. Well done. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I have vague memories of what it was like having a newborn and it's never <laughs> easy to plan anything. So <laughs> It's been a good drive to put some makeup on. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just a reminder of what it was like before, yeah. before baby. Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah, we're okay. Good days and bad days, but you know, I would think... Yeah, overall, we were very lucky. I think he's a good baby. Not that I have anything to compare to, but... <laughs> amazing, amazing. So, Woody is now five weeks old. Yeah, five and a bit. God, amazing. Still in the really fresh parts of it. So, don't worry. It takes, it takes a bit of getting used to, but it will get better. Okay. <laughs> Luckily, he loved them so much. That... <laughs> I think that's it, yeah. just They just turn on the cute, right, when you're just at breaking point, and then you forgive them everything. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. And Dickie, your husband's got, got him now. Yes, uh, hopefully you won't hear the <laughs> screaming <laughs> at any stage in the right. next hour. But <laughs> if, if at any point you need to go, then that's absolutely fine. So just, you know, let's do what we can manage. and then <laughs> It's good, good practice for him to have to fly solo for an exactly. hour. So. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So um, we did an interview um, about a few months ago now about your kind of birth plans, which was to have a home birth. Yeah. Um, and you kind of, um, you're a vet and your husband's an anaesthetist, so you had quite a kind of evidence-based, um, you know, approach to making the decisions and did lots of research and did a full 180, <laughs> going from wanting an elective C-section to then uh, deciding on a home birth. Yeah. So tell us how it went. Oh, well, um, I'd say overall, kind of a very, I've come away with a very positive experience of birth. Um, So I did manage to have him at home. um, And um, I think always my biggest worry was that, you know, like there would be a problem for him or with him. And uh, like, I think the biggest relief for me was that he just came out and instantly cried and that was just such a relief yeah. that he was fine um I talk think us, talk us through the birth then so when when did you start going to labor so um from I guess from the time I first felt anything to when I had him was a full 24 hours so I woke up on the Thursday morning 
um, about 4am feeling what I thought was contractions. I thought it's either that or that kind of food poisoning sensation, but it was fairly periodic. So I concluded that it probably was contractions and I was um, just under 41 weeks um, by that stage. So just slightly overdue according to dates. Um, more around the average time when babies come. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, I don't. They always say don't get too fixated on your due date, but it's very hard not to when you're just so pregnant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, I know. Literally every second, you're like, get this baby out. Of I me. just really <laughs> wanted him out by that stage. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it happened that my midwife um, was due to come and see me that day anyway for the routine. 41 week checkup um so I actually texted her and just said look I think I'm like things are starting do you still want to keep this appointment and she said yeah I'll come anyway um so she came out and she's been the same midwife that I've had all the way through which for me has been a, a huge benefit of mm. being in the home birth midwife team that exists in Winchester um so kind of had a nice relationship with her and she's really lovely yeah just like one of these kind of real motherly figures um and she just had all the time in the world for me so she came and she probably stayed about an hour um and we mainly just chatted but she just did my obs um didn't do an internal examination that at that stage um she offered um no she didn't um seem particularly worried either way and I just felt that maybe I was going to feel disappointed you know if she kept turned around and said you're not at all dilated or you owe me this or whatever so yeah, of course. I thought it's really early days um I'm quite happy just to carry on um so she then left um and how it works next is that even though you're in the home birth team you still phone the main labour line of our local hospital Winchester um when your contractions are three and ten minutes so um just try to get you in the system so that uh the, you know they're alerted that there's a, another it's like a you know little tally system exactly like I think I think they still like to know what's happening in the community and I think also probably it saves the home birth midwife team probably from getting phone calls all the time from yeah. mothers who probably aren't actually yeah. ready to I can't meet go, them yet. Like, no, no, they're still not that close to the other. I know <laughs> exactly. uh, when I called, uh, they, they said, I don't think you're quite ready yet. And then I think it was like another three hours later, they were like, yep, you're ready now. <laughs> like, they can tell yeah. just by the tone of your voice. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. I always remember somebody saying it's the point at which you really can't carry on a conversation with them. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so I was using an app to time my contractions. Um, I found that really helpful just because I think otherwise I wouldn't have, you know, been um, with it enough to, like, keep on top of how frequently they were coming. It was so it's actually, That's right, yeah. Um, so it's actually quite useful. So the app actually, um, you just hit a button when your contraction starts, hit the button when your contraction stops. Yeah. And it's timing the frequency of them such that it actually then changes colour and tells okay. you it's time to phone the hospital when they get to three okay. and ten. Um, so I phoned Labour Line. Um, again, I don't think they were too excited because I probably could still talk at that point. But they were like, look, we'll let the home birth team know. They'll probably come out to you within the next hour or so. And I said, that's fine. Like mm-hmm. I felt like I could cope with the, the discomfort at that stage. It wasn't unbearable. I had a TENS machine at home, um, which I think helped as well. Um, so the and what what were you um, doing in between that time? Were you just kind of pacing, or you know, Dicky was yeah. Dickie pumping up the water 
bath and <laughs> yeah so he inflated the pool um he didn't fill it at this stage but that kept him busy downstairs um I was kind of just trying to relax watch a film um and yeah like I was aware you had to keep eating but I wasn't really that hungry um and that I think what surprised me is how normal I felt in between contractions I don't think I'd really got my head around that they would be so episodic that when it happened it kind of made you stop and I would like bend over the bed and just kind of breathe my way through it but in between time I then felt completely normal and was still thinking oh I need to like do some washing and sort some stuff (laughs) out so it was yeah it was (laughs) (laughs) just tidy this way (laughs) yeah exactly um so then the um, the home birth midwife came out um, probably about four o'clock in the afternoon at that stage um, and examined me at that point and said that my cervix was um, not hugely dilated but quite stretchy. I think during contractions it was dilated more and then it would kind of ping back. Yeah. Um, so I think she felt that there was a chance that things might progress quite quickly and she also wanted a second opinion. So whereas normally with the home birth team, um, the second midwife only comes out to your house literally when you're at the pushing stage. So there's one midwife for the baby and one midwife for the mother. Um, but the second midwife actually came out at that stage. So I was actually quite lucky and I then, because I then didn't have him for several more hours, had the benefit of having two midwives to myself um, for for probably another 12 hours on from that point. Um, and they were amazing. They just really left me to it. Um, so were quite hands-on as well. Um, because my waters hadn't broken, they were trying to um, encourage that by getting me to do squats. Um, but one of the midwives was kind of doing the squats with me, so she'd have her hands on my yeah. hips and was doing it with me. Um, but the, it was just, I think they are really keen to keep everything really relaxed. So they kind of just let me get on with it. We're having a really nice chat. It was really casual. Everyone was just drinking tea. And yeah, it was just a really nice atmosphere. Yeah. Um, In your own home as well. I mean, it must have been just quite, you know just be really nice being in your own place so you know, yeah it was familiar such... surroundings did you, did you like dim the lights and all that sort of stuff well that's it was a really lovely sunny day so okay. we actually had all the patio doors open and the sunlight the neighbors was could hear everything. The neighbors <laughs> everything yeah I naively remember thinking like oh it's such a nice sunny day I'm not even going to get to turn the fairy lights on like thinking <laughs> that birth was imminent and it <laughs> absolutely wasn't I did fully get to use the fairy light experience (laughs) um so they then got Dickie to fill up the pool um but they kept me out of the water for quite a while not that I was fighting them for it but I just remember kind of thinking I almost know that they're keeping me out of it and they say it's so that you can like get the benefit of it when you do go in it Mm. and also that it can sometimes slow contractions um so after, well, probably about seven in the evening, I did get in the pool and it felt lovely, but it did slow my contractions down. So they let me have a bit of a chill out in the pool. Um, and then they said to me, look, we've noticed your contractions have slowed down. I hadn't noticed at all. I was just yeah. enjoying feeling lovely. Um, but, like after that amount of time, you know, it's probably quite good for you to just have a bit of a break as well. Because that's it exactly is a long what time they said. It's, it's pretty relentless, you know, it, it does yeah. go on and on and... 
Yeah. Like, even, you know, no matter how, what way you look at it, it's a prolonged, you know, period of time when yeah. you're in pain. And yeah, that's exactly what they said. They were like, it's actually quite good for you to have a little rest, but we don't want it to, you know, grind to a halt completely. So yeah. they said, if you can, get out the pool, have a little walk around. Um, and so I did, and that instantly got contractions. Ramped it up again. again. <laughs> yeah. Um, much to my disgust. <laughs> um, and then... And what was Dickie doing? Was he being, you know, helpful, supportive? Like, was he, like, giving you any back massage? Or... Yeah, so again, like, really with the um, kind of under direction of the midwives, they were like, you could try massaging her back here, or there's, like, they get you got him to kind of really press on my sacrum yeah. um and that really eased the discomfort as well um but otherwise yeah they were I think as as labor went on I kind of kind of backed out of the conversation a little bit whereas those three were still chatting I mean at one stage like each midwife did go off and have a little sleep on our sofa as well like just yeah. so that they could get some rest as well um and uh yeah, so, oh, and yeah, Dickie was making everyone food in his normal way. Of course. <laughs> there was a round of cheese and um, Marmite toasties, I think, at one stage that I did not partake in. No, last thing you're going to want. Did yeah. you take any other painkillers or anything like that? So you had your TENS machine, the water, what about... So, anything? yeah, had TENS, obviously, up until the point I got in the water. Um, actually, just before I got in the water, we dropped the TENS machine on the floor and it stopped working. So <laughs> that was maybe a drive to then get in the water. Um, but no, I didn't have anything else. Um, I think... Uh, various points different people had said to me you could consider paracetamol um but actually the the top the head midwife of the home birth team had said to me um just as a matter of fact thing when we were um we'd seen each other several weeks before that there's maybe some evidence that paracetamol might slow things down and it was her opinion that it probably wouldn't make a great deal of difference anyway I touch the sides is it <laughs> no no so I didn't take paracetamol um, oh. and yeah so then contractions obviously carried on getting stronger um and again I remember thinking I know they've got gas and air with them but they haven't offered it to me yet <laughs> and that must be for a reason they're like they're not being forthcoming with it here so I think it did, at one point I did ask whether I could have it. And then, again, they're not holding it back, but they just explained like, look, once you have this, there is at home anyway, nothing else. So yeah. like, if you can hang on longer than do. Um, but then I did start using it. And for me, it did really help. Um, I know some people get nauseous or mm. kind of dizzy off it, but it felt did the job <laughs> good <laughs> in the bath with the gas and air perfect exactly yeah. yeah um I think they actually had to send somebody out to one of the midwives went off to the hospital to get more because I think <laughs> I was enjoying it that much love it, <laughs> it I, I, I love the gas and air it, it was brilliant like it was really good I remember at one point the, the mid, I think when I was got to the pushing place the midwife took it off me and I was like uh excuse me <laughs> you're back, back. right back thank you very much <laughs> yeah exactly and the only thing I remember with it is that at the time of the contraction you know I really wanted it but yeah. as soon as the contraction had stopped I was just like well oh, get it away yeah, from yeah, me yeah, it yeah. must be one of those things that you know when you need it it's really good but if you don't need it it's just not, not that pleasant exactly. yeah especially when you're trying to be so focused and kind of getting you know what it is you're trying to achieve yeah but then when did they think that you might be ready to push 
so I guess they're just conscious the whole time of um, what your contractions are doing and probably the noises you're making as well. So yeah. at some point, and I probably didn't recognise this change in myself, but they said, look, we think it would be worth examining you again, um, seeing if you're ready to push. Um, and so we talked about where we would do that examination. I think in my head, I'd always imagined that everything would take place downstairs where we had the pool and such, but they said, actually, it is sometimes easier if we can do it on a bed rather than, you know, on a sofa or whatever. So, um, I said, fine, we'll go upstairs. So kind of limped my way upstairs. (laughs) They then did an examination, which then led to my waters finally breaking, which I think they always had thought would be really helpful because I understand that once your waters break, the head comes down and it's that pressure on your cervix as well that can help move things along. Um, As it was until that stage, I think they could almost feel like the bag of waters like bulging a little bit as I had a contraction, but then it would almost kind of ping back again between contractions. Um, So, yeah, lying on bed, she examined me. My waters broke at that stage, um, but then I think they felt the the head was right there. Um, But my cervix had... I think what they call a lip to it so if you imagine that kind of it's it should dilate in a perfect circle but at one aspect of it just a little part of it hadn't fully dilated and so they could physically with a finger just push that lip back over his head um, and then they were happy for me to start pushing and that wasn't uncomfortable or anything for me I couldn't feel a thing kind of different to contractions at that stage um and so then they said great you can start pushing do you want to go back downstairs to the pool and I was just like absolutely not I'm not walking anyway it was hard enough getting up the stairs as it was um so yeah just decided I would carry on pushing him um out on the bed <laughs> and you'd, you'd already prepped the bedroom anyway hadn't you you'd had like plastic sheets and yes well were, only, only, more, <laughs> only more because I was thinking post-birth yeah. there was you know you're gonna carry on bleeding and such so I'd put kind of waterproof mattress protectors on but I never thought about actually having him upstairs it was downstairs with the tiled floor and the waterproof everything that I prepared but I just didn't care at that stage I just the thought of having to try and get up and get downstairs again and even just you know as you said the like the thought of not being right next to the gas and air when a contraction came (laughs) was just too much so yeah I was just happy to stay where I was really um and then I think the in my mind anyway the pushing stage was quite short I think I was only pushing for kind of 40 minutes or so um and then he was out which was great um no tears and everything went pretty yeah so I had a tiny tear um up towards my urethra which later they put two stitches in but nothing major at all um which I was quite pleased about given that he was um a big baby yeah he was what was he uh, nine pounds eleven nine eleven yeah um, well done you <laughs> <laughs> didn't have a choice yeah, um, <laughs> <that's true. laughs> not at that point anyway no definitely not um, at that point I think he was there and he caught him and yeah so, yeah the midwives have really prepped him that um like did he want to kind of essentially deliver the baby so um yeah he was at the business end of things at that Amazing. point and um caught the baby um forgot to tell me what sex the baby was (laughs) just kind of delivered him to me and the midwives and I were like well what is it what is it um and did you do delayed clamping for the placenta and all those sorts of things I 
Honestly, I can't remember. I'm pretty sure yes, because we had discussed that beforehand. Um, and, and everything had gone smoothly. So. Exactly, yeah. So, uh, like, all kind of time becomes a bit vague, yeah. that, like, through that point. Um, but, yeah, I remember him laying on me for a while, still with the gorge, like, and still before I delivered the placenta as well. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure that happened. Um, and, and yes... Yeah. Oh, um, so, yeah, then Dickie cut the cord. Um, they missed the photo opportunity, so he had to fake cutting the cord. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And, um, um, so in terms of, like, you know, how were you feeling at that point? Were you feeling pretty, obviously, like, elated because you just given birth to your baby, but, like... Yeah. You know, were you just like, wow, we've done it, you know? It, it was really unbelievable, really, that he was our baby, I think. Yeah. Like, it was... A relief and uh, I don't know I, like the midwives were really good at taking photos they yeah. asked when they came around they were like do you want us to take photos and I thought oh yeah that would be nice but actually it's really amazing looking back at them because it's almost like filling in the blanks of a, of a drunken night out where you can't <laughs> you can remember most of it but bits yeah. of it are missing and so but it's also really in terms of like timings like everything you know you're pushing time like the average time is between 30 minutes and an hour and actually you're also bang on and even in terms of like from the first contraction to delivering again, it's like 24 hours is pretty good. Like, you know, it's, yeah. I mean, the, the range is huge, you know, from, you know, yeah. six hours or, you know, even less sometimes right the way through to a few days. So I think, you know, yeah. as, as things could go, like it was a fairly, you know, run the mill labor. So Absolutely. It went, yeah. And also you, you, you never once said to me, it was, you know, I couldn't cope with the pain. It was like, it always sounds very manageable. And you, from when I met we interviewed last time, you mentioned that you tried to read the hypnobirthing books, but you just really struggled to kind of get on with th- that theory. And so it's interesting that even without that, you managed to have the right kind of, I guess, like your research had given you that confidence and that belief in yourself and yeah. your body and to, to kind of allow it to, to happen and, and not, you know, I don't know. Well, I mean, obviously, A, it was working, everything went smoothly, but then B, like, you, yeah. know, you allowed those processes to, to just go. And, and, you know, you didn't have any intervention at all. So even a sweep is deemed as um, a form of intervention. Um, and you, yeah. Am I right? You didn't have any sweeps? Yeah. No. And you no. declined those as well, didn't you? Um, yeah. Again, I think it was, we had discussed it, at my 40-week appointment, whether I wanted one at that stage. Yeah. Um, and I think my midwife, again, she I really didn't feel there was pressure either way. Um, her take on it was that you could have a sweep and if you're nowhere near ready, it actually can be quite uncomfortable because they're yeah. physically trying to put a finger through a closed cervix yeah. um, and it's probably fairly unlikely to do anything. Or on the other end of the spectrum, if she said they can easily pass a finger through your cervix, then it probably means that things are starting to happen anyway. So who's to say that it wouldn't have just happened Exactly. And you're kind of was. interfering with a natural physiological process and there's yeah. a tiny risk of like infection if they, you know, if things like that. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know what a sweep is, it's kind of place, uh, they place their finger in the cervix and that kind of rim around the outside to try and open it up a little bit and encourage the opening to... Yeah, I think had I, you know, had I not gone into labour when I did, had I then, you know, had a 41 week appointment, I think then I would have found it a harder thing to say no to. Mm. Um, 
kind of all more of an internal battle as to what was the right thing to do. But certainly at 40 weeks, I was prepared to say, let's just give it some more time and see what happens, Absolutely. you know, of its own accord. Again, it, yeah, again, it's just kind of having that understanding of what the sweep is for, why you do it, what the effect it has. And actually, apparently, like the, the evidence behind it actually bringing on labour isn't that great. Like, I don't think, I think, as you say, you're either nearly there and it's... You, you know, yeah. I think what I remember reading it, and I don't know how up to date this is, but I think it, you need eight women to have a sweep for it to induce one labour. Yeah, I think so, I read that somewhere as well. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, Interesting. So, yeah, so, oh, so just to, you said kind of at no point did I think I couldn't do it. I certainly did think I couldn't do it at some point, but I think I was also stubborn, un- stubborn enough that I was like, I also don't want to like go into hospital, you know, even though I'd really like some more pain relief right now. I was like, it wasn't even the defeat of like not getting the home birth. It was more just the thought of physically having to get out of the pool, get into an ambulance, go somewhere else that was just... <laughs> this is just really inconvenient. <laughs> it sounded like a massive amount of effort. So I think I was just like really conflicted that it really wasn't enjoyable at times, but also yeah. I just didn't, I didn't want to go anywhere. Um, yeah, and I think it's, it must be amazing like how you forget because I distinctly remember telling myself you are never doing this again <laughs> terrible and now already I'm like it wasn't so it was bad <laughs> I think every woman says that at one point I can't do this anymore and I think that's the stage when you're ready to push apparently <laughs> they say that and I remember that and I remember thinking I'm such a cliche I've just yeah, I said know. it I, and I think <laughs> literally it probably comes out of every single woman's mouth yeah like, oh Jesus please stop this yeah okay so um what happened next because this is where things started to change a little bit isn't it yeah so um when he came out he passed meconium all over me which everybody else seemed really worried about I was really not fussed about because I was like look I've got a baby but um (laughs) they I think the the midwives like to essentially get you to like the tea and toast stage before they leave so they said what we like to do is like get you and like have a quick shower pop you back in bed make sure you're before then you've got to deliver the placenta haven't you Oh shit! Yeah, sorry, I forgot about that. <laughs> Placenta again, probably hazy because I was just enamoured by this baby on me, so I don't distinctly remember it. But talking to Dicky, I think it all—you know—it happened quite quickly. That again, I was pushing, and the placenta came out. Um, but what they found when the placenta came out is their fir- their first way of explaining it was that it was inside out, and I couldn't really get my head around this, um, but. Do you have your picture? Because I've I've subsequently looked up and now I understand it. There's two ways that a sensor can come out. So this is, uh, one minute, the Schultz method. So this is the way that um, ideally it happens. So it comes away from the middle and then folds in on itself. And then normally what happens is all um, all the membranes come away really well and it just slows um, the bleeding down. um, And it's just a slightly better, I don't know if it's better, but it's, it's a more kind of, effective way of the placenta coming out i'm yeah. certainly no doctor uh, so you might want to talk to your midwives about this if you want to know a bit more about it but this is the dirty duncan way where it comes away from a lateral border first so one side and then just peels away and what happens is you bleed more um it can take a little bit longer and you often get little bits left around the edge where they, it hasn't come away as naturally uh, yeah. or as, as effectively should i say um and yeah it can take a bit longer means you can lose more blood 
Um, and there is a risk of a little bit being left uh, within the uterus, which obviously can lead to infection or can mean that you bleed more. And that is uh, potentially what happened next, isn't it? So Yeah. So they um, obviously immediately recognised that it had come out dirty Duncan um, and so spent a lot of time looking at the placenta to check that it was all there. And I think their take on it was that they thought it was all there, but when it does come out that way, it is harder to assess because there is this raggedy edge to it, which makes Mm. it hard to know whether it's all come away. So I think they were relatively happy, but did particularly say to me that, look, there is a chance that a bit's been left behind, so you do need to be really on it, you know, over the next couple of weeks for any signs of infection or anything like that. Um, And... I'm kind of disappointed that I didn't see it. <laughs> I wish I'd looked it's at my placenta. <laughs> <laughs> so lots of people say, like, it's massive. And it's, yeah, anyway, a bit gutted that I didn't see my placenta. I just didn't really think to, to look or to ask. Um, so, next yeah, so time, then... Next time. Yeah, <laughs> next time. Um, <laughs> so Too early that, to even think about it. <laughs> yeah. So, sorry, at that stage... Because he had um, passed meconium all over me as soon as he came out, um, they said, let's walk you to the shower. So it literally, it's like three metres in our house from our bedroom to our bathroom. Um, but on that walk, um, by the time I got to the bathroom, I just felt really lightheaded and a bit sick. So they said, sit on the bathroom floor. And then I continued to feel a bit lightheaded. So then I lay on the bathroom floor with my legs up on the side of the bath. And just every time I tried to sit up, I just felt worse, which I think they call a postural drop. So just yeah. with gravity, I guess, as you sit up, your blood pressure to your head drops. Um, so I think they started to become suspicious that maybe I'd lost more blood than was evident, because it wasn't like there was a massive amount of blood, you know, on the bed where I delivered him, not more than you would expect from a normal birth, I think. Yeah. Um, and my blood pressure was still fine. It was just this need to my inability to kind of sit up, yeah, without. And all the while, um, Woody's on top of you, and they're like getting yeah. you to latch. Like, yeah, so still Woody like, oh, Yeah, which I kind of like. I it only occurred to me recently that you know, as much as that's for my bonding with him as such, I realised that the the kind of hormonal drive of breastfeeding helps your uterus contract as well. Yeah, so they're. Yeah, they're doing it yeah. for lots of reasons. Um, but, yeah, um, he's on my chest and I'm on the bathroom floor. <laughs> and what was um, Dickie doing at this point? So I think he was looking after Woody. So I think somebody was, yeah, I think he was charged with getting Woody dressed. Because I think they're... Um, they knew they were the ambulance. Yeah, they have a really low threshold for for risk, essentially, which they've always explained to me and I think makes perfect sense that they're going to, you know act a lot quicker whereas maybe you know in a hospital scenario they just give you a bit more time and continue monitoring obviously you know there is the delay of transferring somebody from home to hospital so they make that decision earlier exactly so they had said to me look we think you should probably go to hospital um which I was fine with I think by that stage I'd like I'd got what I wanted I had my home birth it was fine I didn't feel at all 
like worried for myself or scared or anything like that I just thought oh yeah you know you and that, I to... wonder if that is also you know that massive like um the oxytocin uh, rush that you get when you deliver and adrenaline I think as well totally like you you have yeah. this huge surge of like yeah. chemical yeah I remember like re- really trembling and um, then saying, that's normal. That's nothing to do with, you know, yeah. whether you've lost blood or not. That's just all bit of, I think it's adrenaline, probably, yeah. probably plus oxytocin as well. Um, so, yeah. Right, so, so the ambulance arrived. So the ambulance arrived um, with two paramedics. Um, and there was then quite a bit of discussion about how to safely get me downstairs. Um, because I think they they have a like an evacuate chair thing but I think they worry that if you do actually faint and then kind of your body weight topples forward that I could you know probably wipe them all out going down the stairs <laughs> um so then they decided that they actually wanted a proper stretcher to get me down the stairs which they didn't have in their ambulance so then they needed to call a second ambulance um, I mean that is not <laughs> ideal <laughs> I know I do find it surprising you think there must be loads of medical emergencies that happen upstairs and yeah. <laughs> why don't they all have the right kind of stretcher but um and and in the meantime Dickie starts to intervene yeah so again <laughs> like I this is all a little bit hazy for me so I've kind of pieced together this story mainly from hearing him tell other people and what at happened. that point I stepped in <laughs> So yeah, his his version is that um, he was kind of watching me turn a bit pale initially um, and was kind of starting to go into doctor mode and make some suggestions. Um, because I think there was some discussion about whether I should have the um, Sintometrin injection at that stage, which is what they would give for a managed third stage of labour typically and I think they definitely give if there's any bleeding suspected yeah and um, so there's some discussion about whether I should have that some discussion about so whether I should have talking about that that's basically when mm-hmm. you deliver the placenta there's two ways of it happening so you've got your um, yeah. active way which is with the injection where they give this yeah. metrin, um and yeah. basically it speeds up the delivery there's normally given to you as the shoulders of the baby come out it's into your thigh and it basically gets the um you just to contract really quickly and then just helps push up the placenta and stop the blood flow and then there's a physiological uh, version which is basically just allowing your body to go through its own natural response um, which can take time it can take up to an hour um and um yeah so you went to the physiological because we were talking about this just before we came on as to why you made that decision yeah Um, actually looking at the like the way your birth went there is really no reason why you wouldn't have done it everything had gone so smoothly up to that point so you know why start intervening then yeah i think that's like i can't exactly remember when i made the decision either way Again, it was one of those things I remember discussing with the midwives before, yeah. um, long before labour. And again, them being, I feel it, my feeling from them was that they were very unsussed either yeah. way. That it was completely my decision. Did um, they give you the injection then? So uh, uh, then, at the time that they then thought I was bleeding, yes, they gave me that injection at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, going back to Dickie stepping in. Okay. So. Um, I think initially they told him that he just needed to go and be a dad and not a doctor. <laughs> so he backed off a bit. Um, but then I think as there was then this, the second delay when the second team of paramedics had to come. Yeah. And um, 
in his words, I was looking more grey-green by that stage. I think he felt that um, they should put some cannulas in me and put me on fluids, and he just stepped in and did it. I'm, I'm not sure how they felt about that. Probably a bit pissed off. Yeah. Um, but it's also, it's like an amazing part of the story. I mean, obviously, you, know, you kind of need this, this husband for that to happen, but it kind of lovely, like, steps in, puts in the cannula. <laughs> and he's been very good about not kind of rubbing it in, you know, that he saved my life or anything like that. I'm sure it will come out one day in a big argument. <laughs> And then you were transferred off to hospital, uh, taken straight to theatre. Yeah, so they were super speedy when I got to hospital. Um, I kind of met an obstetric doctor and an anaesthetist and a load of other people who will introduce themselves, but it's a complete blur. Um, They did an examination at that stage. They put a urinary catheter in um, and then they said that they wanted to take me to theatre where... I just had to check with Dickie. I think they call it an MRP, um, Manual Removal of Placenta. So obviously I delivered most of the placenta, um, but they then found this tiny bit, um, which they removed, and a load of blood clots as well, which they removed. Um, so yeah, that was all really quick, because I was probably I probably only got to hospital about 6.30 on the Friday morning, um, and was back on the ward by 9.30. So that was super efficient, and I felt that care was really good. And you were given a unit of blood then, and then the next... Yeah, so I think I had two units of blood then, because they'd calculated, and it's just an estimate, you know, from weighing the sheets that had been under me, as well as adding what they'd removed from my uterus during the... um, whilst I was in theatre, they estimated this figure of 2.6 litres, which I think class, like, categorises you as a major postpartum hemorrhage um so yeah and again probably based on my blood cell counts as well they gave me yeah. two units then um and you, then, you also though mentioned that you obviously because your waters are broken on the bed that yes. you felt maybe that might not have been 100 percent accurate i mean your your hb was seven which is like for a woman it should be around 12 so it was very very low yeah. but yeah. you also did break your waters on the bed so it's really hard to yeah, and had a big, yeah, exactly, and, um, yeah, exactly, so I think, you know, it's, it is always an estimation, isn't it, um, but they, again, then, the follow, or was it that night, I get confused, yeah, so I think, so that was all Friday morning, then Friday evening, they checked my blood again, and my hemoglobin was still too low for them to be happy, so they wanted me to have another blood transfusion, so I stayed in hospital again, um, which actually was no bad thing. I almost think I got the best of both worlds because yeah. then you're in hospital, you have all the midwives, <laughs> yeah. you know, for like advice on feeding and you have meals being delivered and stuff. Absolutely. So it didn't bother me too much that I was actually, you know, got my ideal combination of home birth and then a um, couple of oh, days. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. And so, yeah, so then... About that. So it's true, you know, you, get, you can sit there and be like, does this feel right? Am I holding the baby right? You know, are yeah. they latched on properly? Yeah, it was one thing that had crossed my mind with home birth that, you know, once the midwives go, although they do pop back to see you, it's not quite the same as having them, you know, a couple of metres away on a nurse's station as you yeah. get in hospital. Um so yeah, so then I had another two units of blood and then I was allowed home on the Sunday. Amazing. Yeah. And kind of putting all of that story now together, yeah. how do, 
what I mean, you said at the beginning that you still feel like you have a very positive kind of feeling about the birth. Yeah. Know, yeah. yeah. I think I'm a, um, even though this major thing, you know, on paper it's a major thing happened to me. For some reason, I never felt worried about it. I never had the, like, am I going to die thought or anything like that. Um, and I think I'm really at peace with the fact that, to my knowledge, there's nothing that, you know, my decision to have a home birth did not lead to the complication that happened. As far as I can understand it, it would have happened in had I had a, a vaginal birth in hospital as well. Um, so the evidence so, does show that actually there's more postpartum hemorrhages in hospital normally because people have some sort right? of intervention um yeah um, or complications they might have high blood pressure and all those different sorts of things um yeah about one one to five percent of people have this postpartum hemorrhage um and i mean it is obviously very significant event that can occur but it's also um you know it like like you say like it wasn't because you were at home that it happened it wasn't because of anything else no that you did or chose not to do um, okay. and then like looking at the risk factors um you've, we, we've got there's a few so you had a large baby so anything over yeah. eight, um eight pounds 13 is deemed a larger baby so that's one reason um you mentioned before so one of the other things is um, put, um putting on over 15 kilograms of weight during pregnancy and you mentioned that yeah. you were you just tipped over that yeah um and then potentially age as well. Um, um, but then all the other things, so, um, you know, IVF normally is a, a risk factor, um, labour induction, cesarean, uh, large tears, all, all those sorts of things, and you didn't really have any of them. And there is 20% of people who do have postpartum hemorrhages that have absolutely no risk factors at all. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's most likely that you're probably one of those 20%. Um, yeah. And the most important thing is that everything turned out all right. You know, and I think when when we discussed about doing this interview, you know, this, I think it's obviously, you know, home birth is a, is a very rare thing with first-time mothers. Um, and, you know, what we don't, what I don't want to do, or we, as Tinto, um, is, um, is scare people away. But it's about kind of telling true stories as they happen. And yeah. talking about all of the risks and also like being informed um, because I think like, you know, it's all very well telling lovely stories about home births that go perfectly, but that's not always like the true, the, the whole side of everything. And you need to see yeah. more of it to then make your informed decision. So, you yeah. know, if you want to have a home birth, you need to make sure you're nice and close to a hospital or, you know, that all those different things. So, because yeah. if something goes on and actually, in a way, you, the hospital was used exactly how a hospital should be used for birth in this instance. So you had a, you know, very natural birth at home in a very calm home environment. And then when you needed help, you went to hospital rather than having a medicalised birth. That, yeah. you know, going into the hospital, you're much more likely to have be induced or have an intervention of some sort or the other, which then leads to further complications. So, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's just telling all the spectrum of stories that come yeah and I think I was very guilty that I just I couldn't think past when I was thinking about birth and planning where I wanted to have him and such I couldn't think past birth and him although I read stuff about postpartum hemorrhage yeah. I think I thought well you know if it happens it happens but actually that's probably the one thing where I am lucky in that the hospital for us is literally a three-minute drive away yeah. um 
you know, I'm, I, I think I would have survived had my husband not been an anaesthetist as well, but it certainly yeah. probably, you know, helped me get through all of that better. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think everything that I'd read about home birth before was really, really strongly positive, you know, and laying out all the positives, but I perhaps hadn't considered, and again, I was worried about things, you know, what if I needed medical intervention because of the baby? I hadn't really thought about me. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the mother instinct kicking in before you even had him. <laughs> I know. Me to one side, all I care yeah. about is the baby. And so I think the only thing in hindsight that I might have done differently is consider going for the um, the active third stage, so the injection yeah. of Sintimetrin, um, as you know, as soon as I've had him, um, because actually I think there seems to be very little downside to it. I think you know you could argue it's you know giving a medicine that's not yeah. always strictly necessary and I think in some people it causes some nausea Nausea's but yeah, yeah. actually if it means that you're less likely to have a postpartum hemorrhage then if in a home, take a little bit of nausea <laughs> yeah exactly and in a home birth setting particularly particularly if you're not that close to a hospital maybe it's the more prudent thing to do yeah. I don't know yeah well, I'm just so pleased that you still had a really positive birth experience. Yeah. It does sound very dramatic, but I think every birth is really dramatic. I don't yeah. think anybody can, you know, tell a birth story without, you know, the person listening to it being like, oh, God, you know, because it's it's full on. Like, it's a yeah. you know, crazy thing that the body goes through and you're delivering a baby that you produced. Like, it's, it's just mind-blowing, you know, and every story is you know an, an amazing miracle that you know without I don't know, you know it's just I think it's it's when it goes well and but you know I just think it's really important to know every end of the spectrum you know so that you can prepare yourself for for your birth and you know what would you do next time so apart from the injection you're going to have another home birth I know you've only just had a baby so it's the last thing you want to think about right now if we're in the same house and we're still three minutes to the hospital, then yes, I'd have a home birth with a, um, an active third stage of labour. And, uh, you know, they've, the midwives, I thought they'd turn around and say, oh, you can never have a home birth again. But actually, that yeah. was their only recommendation that next time, you know, have the injection preemptively. Um, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. It sounds like you had such an amazing experience to have the same midwives there for the whole 12 hours. And They were so good. Just amazing. You know, those two girls were here 16 hours, like all through the night. Yeah. They, you know, just kept going. They were really chirpy, really positive, like, but also very much kind of stood back and just let us do it. And yeah, they were in such incredible care. Good. Oh, Karen, thank you so much for coming on and telling us your story. I think it's Good really pleasure. inspirational. And, um, yeah, hopefully it will just, you know, educate women um, about, you know, all the different things that can happen during a birth. And, and even, you know, even if it wasn't 100% to plan, it still was a really positive experience. And yeah. Just make sure you do your reading, women, and, you know, know that you've got choices. Um and talk to other people. I think that's the most important thing. Oh, look, it is saying thank you so much for sharing your story, Karen. Brilliant story. Loved hearing your birth story. Oh, that's nice. Thank um, you. Yeah, no, well done, Karen. Listen, we'll leave you to it. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Woody's done a great job as well, or Daddy has anyway. I know. There was only a little bit of screaming in the background. <laughs> right, thank you so much. Take care. No problem. Take care. Bye. Bye.